Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, uplifting support for your grief and healing journey. We're here to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence so that you can build a life of purpose and joy. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Grief Coach. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 116, Facing the Grief with Nikki Oswald. Life is not easy. We know that, don't we? And if we didn't know it before, we certainly learned that in 2020. Things changed a lot in a very little amount of time. In fact, I've thought recently about how unexpected all of that was and how we could have never have, I mean, if somebody had told us in 2019, this is what 2020 is going to look like, or this is what the beginning of 2021 is going to look like, we wouldn't have believed them. There are challenges all along the way. There are good days, there are bad days, but when we face what we're given, we invest our energy in learning about ourselves and learning about how to support ourselves in our difficulties. Life can be challenging and wonderful. Now, if you're in the middle of grief, wonderful may not be the um, adjective that you want to use right now, and I totally get it. It is hard. Grief is hard. But I love the interview I have for you today. I get to introduce you to my client, Nikki Oswald. I absolutely loved working with Nikki, as I do all my clients. Nikki is delightful. And in November 2019, she faced a heartache that no one would want to face. Today, she's going to tell her story about what happened how we met, and what she decided to do next, and how that has made all the difference. Today on the podcast, Nikki shares her hard-earned wisdom. Here's the interview. I am so thrilled to have Nikki Oswald on the podcast today. She's going to tell us a little bit about her story and how we met and her experience working with me as well. So this is another client that we I've worked with previously who I love dearly. And I wish you could see her cute face because she just looks so beautiful today. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so, Nikki, welcome. Glad you're here. Thank you. I am. Uh, I'm glad to be here and a little nervous, but... Um, yeah, I'm glad that you asked me to do this. Yeah. You know, we started talking about this a a few months ago, um, just briefly and, and you shared with me this past week, some of your thought process that went on. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about why you decided, like you reached back out and said, yeah, I'm ready. So you, I think you first asked me around Thanksgiving time and my first initial reaction was no way. (laughs) And I was talking to a friend about doing it and she said, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you say your story? Why wouldn't you try and help people? And I, so I started thinking more about it. And so I told, I emailed you back and said, yes. Um, and then all the holidays happened and I never scheduled anything. And over Christmas, I kind of talked myself out of it again. <laughs> and then I was listening to your podcast a few weeks ago um, with an interview. And I had this just overwhelming feeling. You need to do that. You need to schedule this. And so here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be such a blessing to people to hear 
to hear your story, to hear the experiences that you've had, the things that you've learned. So I'm just, I'm really grateful that you're here. Really Thank grateful. you. I'm grateful too now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so just kind of give us a little background. Tell us about you. Tell us about your family and then kind of what happened. What? Um, okay. So um, my husband, Zach and I, we've been married almost 16 years in a couple weeks. And we have three boys. Um, Our oldest is 11. Um, Our middle son is eight, almost nine. And um, our third baby, that's what we'll be talking about more today. Um, So on November 5th, 2019, um, I gave birth to my third son, um, Logan, and he was a perfectly formed seven pound, 14 ounce little boy. Um, but he was stillborn at 40 weeks and, um, the day before. So on the 4th of November, I had been scheduled for an induction. Um, it was two days before my due date. I had had a, let's see, that was a Monday morning. I had had a doctor's appointment Friday everything was fine. Um, he was moving, he was active on Sunday, the day before. Um, but when I got to the hospital on the fourth, um, the, my nurse had a hard time finding the heartbeat. And within, I think it was about an hour after I got there, my doctor came in and confirmed that, um, there wasn't a heartbeat anymore. Um, So that was early in the morning on November 4th. Um, He was born at like 4 a.m. on the 5th. So I spent 17 hours in labor. Not no, I knew that I would never take him home. Um, What I didn't know was why. Um, I had I had had some minor complications um, through the pregnancy, um, but nothing like really alarming. Um, you know, I had been closely watched, um, until about, well, I was closely watched the whole time. I was having ultrasounds very, um, very frequently until about 36 weeks. Um, and, and then things like calmed down. Um, all those minor complications went away. And so I am, that's kind of when I let my guard down and I was like, everything's fine now. Um, and, but it didn't have the outcome that I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like for the doctor to come in and tell you that? My goodness. Um, so it's interesting you asked that because, I am a very nervous, anxious person when it comes to medical things. And so with my other two sons, when we were, you know, ready to have the baby, I was like kind of a nervous wreck. Right. Um, And with Logan, I wasn't that morning I woke up and I wasn't nervous. Um, I had had one thought. I woke up in the middle of the night and I remember thinking, I haven't felt him move. But I was so tired. I fell back asleep. And I woke up and I got to the hospital at 7 a.m. My nurse that was um, trying to 
find the heartbeat. She was, she's actually a good friend of mine. She, um, she was like, when was the last time? And I was like, there's, you know, there has, there's no way that there's not a heartbeat basically. Um, so I was very calm through all that. Um, thankfully (laughs) my husband had actually left. He dropped me off at the hospital and then he came home, um, to, take our other two boys to school. And he got back to the hospital five minutes um, before we found out. And it's really interesting actually to think back on that because my doctor is also a very close friend. And um, when she when she came in and she looked at the monitors and I just looked at her face and that was the first time that I realized that something was actually wrong. And that might sound really just naive, but I think it was honestly a blessing to not be anxious about it. Um, And I just looked at her face and I said, what's wrong? And she said, there's no heartbeat. And the next few moments are, were a blur kind of in now. Um, my husband, when she said that was sitting in a chair behind her. And then she said that, and all of a sudden I wasn't laying down anymore. I was sitting up and I remember just hysterically crying and pleading with God. Um, I was, I remember saying over and over, don't take my baby. And just asking him over and over not to do this, which I was already done. I knew that things couldn't change. Um, and then I remember hold, my husband holding me and saying, "It's it'll be okay. But it didn't feel like it was going to be okay right then. Yeah. A long time before it felt okay again, didn't it? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then to have to face labor. Uh, it just, yeah. Said, uh, yeah. What a cruel irony. Yes. That was a very hard decision. Um, you know, at that point, my doctor said we can go ahead and induce or we can have a C section. And, you know, she left it up to me. And ultimately I chose to be induced and, and to go through all that. Um, but that was not my first initial, I initially, I just wanted it over with. So I just wanted to be done and I wanted to go home <laughs> and, um, and I didn't want to live this nightmare anymore, but thankfully my husband and my doctor were a little more um, level headed about everything and were able to talk to me about all the process and was there did you have some time to make that decision or did you feel like it was pretty quick no they gave me a lot of time to um think about that actually um one of the biggest miracles there are so many miracles surrounding this situation but one of the biggest ones was um, the, there was a nurse at the hospital who I didn't know. Um, I had never met her. My husband knew who she was. 
Um, and she had experienced a stillbirth 14 years prior. And so we live in a really small Montana rural town. Um, and she walked into the room and I didn't know who she was, but I knew, but I did, if that makes sense. So I didn't, I didn't know her name, um, but I knew she was there because she had gone through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so she was there and she was able to talk to me about it. And, and I, I believe it was about eight o'clock in the morning. They told that we confirmed there wasn't a heartbeat. And I don't think they started the process of inducing me until 11 a.m. So I had quite some time to think about it. Yeah. Did you say 11 a.m.? Yeah, it was. I'm, it was around 10 or 11, I believe. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, you know, he, to try to make that decision, like you said, to be so, like, the, the grief is so consuming. It's just mm-hmm. hard, hard. Yeah. And that's the nurse that came in. Her name's Kirsten. She, um, she just looked at me and said, you, you need some time to process all this. Um, and I'm grateful that I listened and didn't just because there's nothing wrong with, if I would have had to have a C-section, that's fine too. Um, but it, it did help to have that time to process and the time to just grieve, I guess. And I wasn't, you know, I was in shock. So to make a big decision like that when you're in shock is hard. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, and that so often is the case when something hard happens, it's like, it not only this hard thing has happened, but then we have to, there's decisions that have to be made. And that wasn't the first decisions that had to be made. So um, what was it like then to, to go through labor, to deliver this beautiful baby that, that you, like you said, you weren't, weren't ever going to be able to bring home what was it like telling your boys? What was it like, you know, those, those days following? Um, no, oh, geez. So I think that was probably one of the hardest things was having to tell our other kids, um, our other boys. So my parents, um, I mean, it was hard to tell anyone. My parents were planning on coming up. They live about two hours away. To They were going to come up and take care of the boys. And like I said, the boys were at school. Um, and so my parents weren't coming super early or anything. And I've never had a short labor, so we knew we had time. And we had, you know, I called my mom and I said, you need to come up just whenever you can and let her know. And, and we, my husband called his parents and, and said, if you know, you need to come up also, cause this is basically the only time you're going to meet him. Um, my parents went and picked the boys up from school and I just, before they, before they went, I told my parents, I said, don't, don't tell them anything. I said, this has to come from us. And 
my mom says it was a miracle that they didn't ask. They picked the kids up from school and they knew, I mean, they were 10 and seven at the time. They were, they fully comprehended that they were going to meet their baby brother within the next day or so. And so they came to the hospital after school and um, everyone left the room and my husband my husband and I just had to tell him, we said, he's not, um, you know, he's still in my stomach, but he is not going to be alive when he comes out. Mm. And, oh, it was, oh, that, that kind of still gets to me. Um, our kids, they, they went into shock. Um, my oldest, especially he was, he'd yeah, <laughs> we, um, it was really, really difficult. And, you know, another really big miracle in all of this actually is we moved to this town um, a year and a half before I had Logan. So we hadn't been here very long. And the only person I knew before we moved here um and I didn't know her well before we moved. It's just somebody that I talked to a few times to kind of get to know the area. Um, she had experienced um, a very similar, she had experienced stillbirth also um, almost two years prior to the time I had Logan. Um, and when we moved here, it had only been a few months that she experienced that. And so, my kids and she, this is the coincidences. It's, it's, I know there, I don't believe in coincidences. This is a total miracle. Um, she has two older boys also, um, that are good friends with mine. And so they had, they knew, you know, that this is a possibility. They had seen their friends kind of go through it. And I think that has been such a blessing in all of this is to have close family friends that understand not only for me and my husband, but their, their kids understand um, where what's happening with my kids and my kids understand, you know, we both serve each other so much on those, on those anniversary dates and, and our kids get involved and it's just, it's such a blessing. Yeah, such a blessing. And and it's, it's you know, God prepares us. And and even though we we net we'll never feel prepared. It's not like mm-hmm. it's not like we ever feel prepared or we feel like, oh, you know, this is what happened. It's it's still incredibly devastating, but it's it's like these little little rays of shun- sunshine that that God has that shines down from heaven and says, you know, we haven't forgotten you. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and that was, I was grateful to know, to know her and to know that I had seen her, you know, through her healing process a little bit. And so I guess just knowing, I knew when my doctor confirmed there wasn't a heartbeat, I knew I knew my life was changed forever. And 
I, at that moment, I had no idea how I was going to move forward, but I knew I could because I had witnessed her moving forward. And I'm just so incredibly grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. You're not left completely in the dark. You're left with that, that ray of hope that there's something more ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, in the middle of it, it just doesn't feel that way, does it? No, <laughs> no. In the middle of it, it just feels awful. Yeah. How did how did you cope in those first few months? So those first few months, oh, <laughs> um, so talking about um, the two women that I knew that went through um, similar experiences, they they helped me a lot. Um, both of them, I'm very grateful that I had some, not only one person, but two people that were very um, in different parts of their grief journey um, to kind of look to, look to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I coped a lot by talking with them. <laughs> um, and I, I write in my journal a lot. Um, and so I did that. Um, it was probably, a, I think it was around January. So the end of January. Um, so just a few months after um, that, my friend told me about your podcast. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I remember the first time I ever listened to the podcast was <laughs> Um, my younger son, he, my husband had to take him to the emergency room because he had a really bad case of the flu. Mm-hmm. And I did not know, I realized right then and there, I didn't know how to deal with any extra stress mm-hmm. because it just, any, any extra stress seemed to just send me over the edge. Mm-hmm. And there seemed to be a lot of it <laughs> um, within a month of each other. My younger son, I said, had, you know, a really bad case of the flu. My older son broke his wrist playing basketball and I didn't know how to deal with that. And so I, I think I listened to like the first five episodes of your podcast all in one day and I just sat and took notes (laughs) and so many things that you said just really resonated with me. Um, And especially how you talked about how your thoughts um, create your emotions and your emotions create your actions. I'd never really thought about that, but I knew that I wasn't having good thoughts or helpful thoughts that were helping me heal. I was having a lot of, um, a lot of conflicting emotions, a lot of emotions that I had never, you know, we, we talk about emotions. We talk about being happy, sad, mad, stressed, you know, that's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those are the, you know, main emotions. And I was feeling so many emotions all the time and I did not know how to process them. Mm -hmm. And I realized listening to the podcast that my thoughts were creating all these emotions. And of course, in those early months of grief, I think you're, that's just to be expected. (laughs) Really? For sure. Yeah. And, um, but I didn't realize 
how detrimental those thoughts were. Um, how do I say that? How detrimental those thoughts were having an effect on me, I guess, is um, I felt a lot of, <laughs> I felt bipolar a lot of the time. I felt like I was feeling so many conflicting emotions. And then I was, I felt so much guilt. Mm. Um, and I think that was one of the biggest things when we were working together is all this guilt that had just like built up inside me and I didn't know how to release it. And then I would feel guilt on feeling the guilt, right? You know, like you have these emotions where um, I would feel angry, you know, about the situation. And then I would feel guilty for feeling angry. And it was just this vicious cycle of all these emotions. And, um, and people, when I tell people that I felt guilt, they, (laughs) sometimes they look at me like, why would you feel guilty? You didn't do anything wrong. And I, I felt guilt for not being able to keep them alive. Um, of course, but I also felt guilt for things that weren't, um, just on the surface for everyone to see. Right. I felt guilt for not showing up for my kids the way that I, my other kids, the way that I had, you know, I felt guilt for feeling all these other conflicting emotions and I just, and then I would feel honestly, Julie, I felt guilty at times for being grateful to be able to sleep through the night and not having a newborn waking me up. Mm, I remember talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, And And really, I just, you know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not like I'm saying, it's not like I was saying I'm grateful he's not here because that's not what I mean by that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 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 There's just so much. It's just so much. And we're just bombarded in grief. We're just bombarded and we don't know what to do with it. So, you know, your explanation of how like stress was hard because your bucket of stress is overflowing already Mm -hmm. and then something else gets added to it. There's no place for it. Mm -hmm. So it just becomes compounded. And then the, the, all the emotions, and then we pile on heavier and heavier emotions on top of the heavier emotions because of the thoughts that are created by the heavy heavy emotions and not understanding grief. Like we don't, you know, I was explaining to somebody the, um, I think it was just yesterday. I said, grief is like being thrown into the middle of the lake and you never learned how to swim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really have no idea. Yeah. Deal with it. You don't, there's no, and there's no right or wrong ways to deal with it. And I feel like right now as a society, we, we put a lot of emphasis on being, just be happy, be, you know, good vibes and all these things. And we're not meant to come to this earth and experience just happiness. Right. You know, we are meant to experience a big range of emotions, but we're not taught how to deal with those or how to process them. And, and I honestly, I had no idea how to work through it. And I also, there were so many times I remember talking to my friend and I, and I was like, I, you know, maybe I should make that call and do the discovery call. And, but I was like, I don't think I've been grieving long enough. Mm. 
And which just sounds so silly to me now, (laughs) you know, like, let me be miserable longer, even though I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, and it's just interesting to think about that. What made you think that you hadn't grieved longer? Because I think that's a calm, you haven't grieved long enough. Because I think that's a common feeling. Like, I'm not far enough ahead. I'm not at at the place yet where this could be useful to me. You know, I think that's pretty common that people think that. I think just looking at, you know, just watching other people grieve, I guess, for other things that they've gone through. And um, I don't know. I, I just really, for some reason, I just thought... My plan, my initial plan was to make that discovery call in the fall. Mm-hmm. I was like, when, you know, because, because this happened November, 2019, right? We all know what happened in March of 2020, you know, the whole world went crazy. Mm-hmm. And so my kids were home and, um, and then it was summer. And I was, I was thinking when they go back to school in the fall is when I'll do it. Um, and great. I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't wait. Um, I remember I was actually, I was, I can't remember what episode, but I was listening to one of your podcasts and I was walking around the neighborhood and I was like, I need to just make this call. You know, I need to do this. And that was around the end of May. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I wanted to do in the summer was grieve, (laughs) you know, and but I'm so glad I did because as you know, now, like I am homeschooling my kids this year and to, to not, not saying I don't have the time to do it because I do put forth the time still. Um, but I'm thankful that I had those tools in place before I had more stress put on me. Yeah. of their education, I guess. Yeah. Before you jumped into the deep end of the pool. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I love that you shared that because I think that is so, it's so common for us to feel like in order to move forward, we have to already be at a certain place, but what, what did you find? Like, as we started to work together, what what did you discover in that process that helped you feel better about that decision to just go ahead and go ahead and get started? Yeah, I think I think when we first started working together, I tried to like convince myself and you that I was okay, right? <laughs> that I was that I wasn't really that bad off, right? That most days I was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but as we work together, I remember, well, so let me, sorry, let me back up just a minute, but, um, you know, I had listened to your podcast for a few months and I remember talking to my friend, um, about you cause she was the one that had told me about you. And she, I said, well, I don't really, you know, I feel like the podcast is helping me enough. And she said, well, that might be true, but the coaching is more kind of based on your individual needs. And so she's like, but it's up to you really what you want to do. She wasn't like, you need to do this or anything. And so 
Um, anyway, that's what I found was that yes, the podcast helped the start, you know, helped me to recognize, to start recognizing my thoughts and start recognizing things that I needed to do and differently and things. And, but the coaching was based on what I was going through as an individual. Um, and it also, it made me set aside time every week to deal with it. Yeah. You know, there was, we talked every week and I knew, you know, we had that scheduled meeting time and I knew it was coming. And then not only that, there were assignments to do, you know, during, during our calls. And so it really made me face the grief instead of trying to um, just avoid it. I feel like sometimes um, when we grieve, we do everything we can to stay as busy as we can. So we just don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did that for a few months. (laughs) I'll be honest. I did that. Um, But it doesn't work. It would, it always blew up in my face. Um, And it's just like, I love what you always say about how time, you know, people say time heals your wounds and it doesn't, time doesn't heal those wounds unless you put forth effort to heal. Mm -hmm. And that's what I found. So to be really true with my situation. Yeah. So um, how do you feel And maybe this is a little bit of an unfair question because we don't know for sure, but, but I I imagine that you have some thoughts and feelings about where you would be right now if you hadn't made that phone call versus where you are now. Tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are on that. So I know if I wouldn't have made that phone call and chosen to do the program, I still wouldn't know how to deal with the extra stress. I know that Um, because there were times even when we were working together where it was always things that happened to my kids, my, you know, my two other kids, if they got hurt, that was, it put me just over the top. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. And I think it was, we were working together and my oldest son had a four wheeling accident and I, and it wasn't even that bad. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible, but it, it just sent me, you know, to that place. And, and, you know, this 2020 and this year have been stressful so far, but I feel like I, I know how to deal with it now. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I never not, you know, that I am always calm or anything like that, but I know either. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, this isn't like a, you do it a few times and you're all you're healed. Right. You know, I know that there's, there are still days I feel just really sad and, but they don't, I wouldn't say they last all day anymore. And that's before we started working together, I would have, just bad days. And now it's just, I feel like if I get sad about Logan not being here, it, it lasts, you know, it's, I would call it more of a moment, maybe a couple hours or so, but I can come out of it now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So um, what are a couple of things that you feel like have really helped you? What are some, some tools or some thoughts or yeah, just what are some things that have really helped you either through this process of coaching with me or the things that you learned in that process? Um, so my, the biggest things that have helped me, um, music has played a really big role in my healing. Um, I've always liked music, but now it's different. Um, I, the, the music I listen to now is different, I guess. Um, it's more calming or, um, helpful. Um, of course when I'm cleaning still, it's still upbeat, but, (laughs) um, there's a time and a place, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but so music, and then when I get to those times where I can't, where I feel like I can't, um, process or, or I feel like I need to process emotions, um, but I don't necessarily want, I guess, people to know, I guess is, you know, because we all have these thoughts that, are like, why would I think this? If somebody knew I was thinking this, they would think I, I am a terrible person. And so one of the, you taught, you taught me this, but I will write it down. And usually I write it very angrily or however I'm feeling. Right. Um, and I'll either rip up the paper or we have a wood burning stove in our house and I'll throw it into the fire. Um, which is a lot more, uh, I like doing that better than ripping it. Right, yeah. <laughs> the air, right? Yes. Yeah. And really like it really just helps me release those thoughts and those emotions. Um, some other things that I have started doing. So when we were working together, you were telling me, you know, do deep breathing. And, and I was like, I think that was the first assignment you gave me. And I was like, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> um <laughs> But oh my goodness, it is so helpful. And I realize that I don't take deep breaths enough. And I find myself now, my kids laugh at me because they'll, they'll, they know when I'm um, stressed <laughs> because all of a sudden they'll look over and I'm doing deep breathing and I've, I've taught them. I'm like, you need to deep breathe with me if you're feeling anxious about something or or I've even had them do the writing and ripping or throw it into the fire. And, um, because like we said, I just think they need to learn how to process this. I don't want them to grow up and be so in the dark, like I was, I guess. And, um, so, so that kind of has turned in, I, I do meditation every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I'm a scheduled person, um, to a point. My husband would laugh at that. <laughs> um, but I have a schedule if I wake up at the same time or my alarm goes off at the same time, I get out of bed generally around the same time. Um, and I, I, you know, I have my morning routine. Um, I get up and before anything else, I am, you know, saying prayers and I do like a daily devotional scripture study and Um, and then I go and I exercise and, and that has helped me immensely just to have that routine. And then during the day, it's kind of, I don't really have a routine, (laughs) but that morning routine, if I miss it, it kind of throws me off all day. 
Well, wonderful. I, I just, um, I loved working with you. I, I knew that you had beautiful things to share and that you would be a blessing to other people who would hear your story. And so I'm super grateful that you, you took this time to, to share your experience. You know, your, your friend had told you, yeah, you can listen to the podcast, but it's way different when you, you know, get the personalized version. Was she right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> very, yes, very much so. And I, I realized that while we were working together, when I started, my thoughts started changing and I started becoming a lot more kinder to myself. Um, I allowed myself to just show up how you, you would always say that just show up however you need to show up. Because I think that's a hard thing with um, grief also is there comes a time where you feel like, okay, it's been long enough. And I'm not saying other people expect anything expected things of me, but I put that in my head that I should be able to show up in a certain way. And sometimes I couldn't. And, and I realized that that was okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a beautiful thing because boy, like if, being kind to ourselves is where all kindness begins. Yeah. Yes, it's true. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Any last thoughts you'd like to share with us? I've just, I've loved what you shared today and I'm so grateful. Um, I think, I think just the main, I guess that the last, the last thing is um, kind of touched on this. I mean, I still have, you know, those moments of sadness and, it's still um, so recent. Yeah. I mean, it's barely been over a year, um, but it doesn't affect my everyday life anymore. And um, I just think, you know, I am as much as I wish that I could raise Logan here um, on earth. I know that no matter what, I'm still, I'm his mom. And I, I believe that I'll be able to raise him um, someday. And I also, it's taken a while to get to this point. And sometimes I don't feel this way, but most of the time I do, I, I know he's exactly where he's supposed to be, which sounds, seems awful and sounds weird. Um, but I know that his whole mission was just to gain that body and then return back and that he wasn't ever really supposed to live this life with us on the earth. Um, and I'm grateful for that knowledge and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that he's still King. Yeah. You know, I'm grateful that he's mine and, and I'm grateful for the lessons I've learned through all this whole experience, um, even though it's just been heartbreaking. I, I mentioned that um, music was a big thing for me. I don't know if you've probably heard the song by Hillary Weeks um, called Beautiful Heartbreak. My A good friend of mine sent it to me after I had Logan. And just real quick in the, in the beginning of the song, she says, you know, she had her plan, her life mapped out in front of her. She 
knew she had her plan set out and, and all of a sudden there was a mountain in the middle of her road and she didn't know, she didn't know how to go around it. She realized that she had to go over it. And the chorus, um, I wrote down these lyrics the other day and I just want to read the chorus says every fear, every doubt, all the pain I went through was the price that I paid to see this view. And now that I'm here, I would never trade the grace that I feel and the faith that I find through the bittersweet tears and the sleepless nights. I used to pray that he'd take it all away, but instead it became a beautiful heartbreak. And I think that is, (laughs) I can't say it better, (laughs) Um, but that's truly how I feel that I, you know, in the beginning, like I said, I was just praying to God to not do this. Um, but that wasn't the plan. And I don't know why. I don't know why I don't get to raise him, but but I'm grateful for the lessons and and I'm grateful that he is still my son. Yeah. And I'm grateful for all of the miracles that happened throughout this whole experience. Yeah. That is some beautiful, beautiful acceptance that you have um, worked hard to earn. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's I, I know, I know the effort, I know the work that you put in to to showing up for yourself, and showing up for your grief, showing up for your boys, and 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 your family and you know, just um, doing everything that you could to help yourself so that, like you said, you're in a position now where you're able to be there for your boys and homeschool them. And, you know, that might, I don't know, you know, I don't know if you would have felt strong enough. Oh, I I definitely wouldn't have. (laughs) I know that. So I am, I'm grateful to you for being able to help me through this process and for doing what you do. I think it's a miracle in itself, how, you know, my friend knew of your, knew of you and knew of your podcast had worked with you and told me about you. And really you started that podcast not long before I had Logan. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful that you listened to those, that prompting to do, to do your work. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's a, it's a blessing when, when I get to meet such wonderful people like you and and those that are listening in, I just, yeah, it's a, it's a blessing. So thank Thank you. you. Thanks for being here, Nikki. (laughs) Thank you, Julie. Nikki is wonderful. And I thoroughly enjoyed this opportunity to interview her. I know her story is a blessing to her and to others. She shared a real story, a real story of pain and happiness, and I love how real and honest she is. Life can be hard sometimes, and that we can triumph over the hard. Your life doesn't have to be perfect. We can have all the emotions and enjoy life again, too. If you've been putting off scheduling your free discovery call like Nikki was tempted to do, then now is the time to schedule. Grief is hard. It's messy. I know how hard and complicated it feels. I know how hard it is to pull yourself through on your own. It's, it's impossible 
I've been there. I almost lost myself completely to the pain of grief. And that's why I'm here because I couldn't overcome my grief on my own. And I know how comforting it is to have someone in your corner who has been where you are. I've been there. I don't teach and coach from theory alone. I teach and coach from experience. I'm in your corner. I'm here to help. Schedule your free discovery call today. It's super easy. Go to buildalifeafterloss.com backslash talk. Click the button. You'll see some times available there. Choose one and we'll talk at that time. It's that easy. I'll call you. All right. You have a beautiful week. Remember, I believe in you. Love you. Bye.